Good morning. We are teaching a series, and it's a call to fathers and families. And, of course, we know that because of the first message we taught on Father's Day, we know that there are a lot of fathers not in the home, so we have uh, females as the uh, lead of the household uh, because there are no, no fathers there, which is, which is to you also. So the message is, doesn't leave anyone out, not a soul. Everyone in the family. And if you are single, because we do have some singles here, you need to be gleaning from these messages so that when you get married, you will eliminate and avoid some of the uh, pitfalls and some of the problems that uh, most of us had uh, who have been in marriage 20 or 30 or 40 years. Uh, You are learning what I uh, was never taught. I had to learn it in the school of hard knocks. And praise God that um, he sustained me and he got me through. If it were not for him, I would not be married today uh, because I did everything, uh, not everything, but I did a lot of things wrong. Um, and I want to help you to avoid those things. You do want to avoid those things, don't you? Okay. Now, we're talking about imparting, the heads of the household imparting to their families, to uh, the children, uh, that impartation is a transfer. It's a communication of some type of knowledge uh, of something. And we said that um, we started off the message with, with fathers. On Father's Day, we said fathers need to be honored, of course. It was Father's Day. But fathers had to honor also because we know that the uh, head of man is Christ. So the father has to honor, has to obey. Uh, it's, it's not reasonable for you to expect uh, not to obey our Lord Jesus Christ and not to honor him, and then you expect someone to honor you in your household. So you need to sow what you want to reap. Uh, so honoring starts there. We also taught a message based on having a vision, having a vision for the household. Everyone needs to have a vision for that household. We talked about the third week, having a sweet fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ to God everywhere we go. We talked about that also. And then last week we talked about being connected to the body and to ministry uh, because God wants uh, us to be moving and flowing together. We can't do it alone. No way we can do it alone. Today, we want to talk about the impartation of trust in God. That's what we're talking about, trusting in God. And I know you said, well, you know, I know all about faith, you know, I know all about trust, and I don't have any problems in that area. Well, I do, and some of you do too also. Uh, so I'm talking to the ones who do, you know. Have a, have, have a look. Sometimes we waver a little bit, you know. Sometimes circumstances come, and we waver only because uh, it looks really bad. It looks really bad, and we don't see any way out. And sure, we sit in our in our mind, and we say with our mouth, well, I'm going to trust God through this. But our actions sometimes don't follow through with that. And so we're talking about that type of trusting God that's relentless, that's bold. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 6, it says that without faith, it is, finish it for me, to please God. It's impossible. Can't even please him without faith. So we, and faith is another word for trust. Without trusting in God, it's impossible to please him. And I, I'm sure you understand that because 
any time you have a child, a child doesn't trust in you, it doesn't really please you because you want to be trusted. You want to be uh, uh, lean on. You want to let them know that you love them and you're going to take care of them. And when they cease to uh, believe that, then it's not a good thing. It's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that faith is the substance of those things hoped for, the evidence of those things not seen in the King James Version. That's the uh, Revised Standard Version up there. But uh, those are things that it says in faith. We're going to talk about today, how do you impart that which you cannot see? How can you impart that which you can't see? Because you can't see faith. You can't see trust in God. You can't see it. It just doesn't, it just doesn't show up, you know, as pink, red, you know, blue. It doesn't, it doesn't show up in any of those ways. How do I impart that to my household? Because I, I really can't see it, you know. I can't see it. So God was showing me and has shown me through the years and, and showing me even now how to do that. He says in 1 John, let's look there. 1 John, that's the epistle of John. Chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. Uh, this gives us a, a little bit of indication of what he's talking about in that area. He says that we love because he first loved us. Now, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, the word says he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he's not seen. And that's, that's a hard word that God tells us there. So he's saying that, he's telling me that you're going to have to, to show your, your trust in me. We're going to apply it to trust. To show your trust in me, you're going to have to trust the things that you, you know, you're going to have to respond to the things you do see. And that's going to tell me what you think about me. So if we see a person and, and we say, well, I don't really love you, uh, but we say we do love God. That is not, of course, the word of God. That's error. That's not truth. So we see a circumstance. We see problems in our lives. God expects us to see that problem and say, okay, I see you. I see that problem. Now what I'm going to do, I'm going to trust. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to have trust in God. He's going to bring me through this situation. He's going to take me over this, this situation. He's going to take me around it. He's going to do something I'm not going to succumb to this situation. Though it might knock me down, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to get up, and I'm going to keep getting up because God has not uh, given me a spirit of defeat. He's given me a spirit of victory. So therefore, that's the way I'm going to go. Now that shows our trust in God. It really does. Now let's go a little bit further. We must act on the measure of faith that God has given you. God has given you a measure of faith. Let's look in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. And, you know, I, I could tell you all those things and not go through Scripture, but those of you who guess, uh, I like to go through Scripture so you can see what I say. Because what I say doesn't really mean anything. It's what God says. And so if we are moving and flowing by the Word of God, we're moving and flowing by truth. Okay? Because everyone has opinions. I tell people that all the time. Everyone has opinions. You don't want my opinion. I don't want yours, you know. Just give me the word on it. Okay, that's all I would need to do, a word. Because the word is forever established in heaven, isn't it? All things will pass away. Heaven never passed away, but his words will not pass away. Is that true? 
Okay, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So that means I have and you have faith if God has given it to us. You have faith. Now, we must increase in that faith. You can't just say, well, you know, well, you know he's given me the measure of faith so I have everything I need. No, you don't have everything you need. You want to increase in that thing. It's just like anything else. When you, um, when you started, like when I started, uh, my employment, uh, I guess it was about 69, in 1969, and um, uh, who said that? <laughs> and... You know, uh, it was a long time, I mean a long time, before I brought home $1,000 a month. It was a long time, you know. I didn't think I'd ever get those three zeros, you know. You know? Uh, you know, I wanted to increase in finances. Everyone wants to increase in finances, I do believe, you know. And if you don't, come work for me, you know, <laughs> if you don't want to increase, you know. Everybody wants to increase. I want to increase in faith also. In Luke 17, let's look there, the Gospel of Luke, um, in verse 1. Let's look, look there. As you're turning, I'll start reading. And he said to his disciples, It is inedible that stumbling blocks should come, but woe to him through whom they come. Verse 2. It would be better for him if a millstone was hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, then he should cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If a brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times, saying, I repent, forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Why did they say increase our faith? You know? they, didn't, they didn't have the faith to do that. You know? They didn't have the faith to do that. And they asked a question. Increase our faith. Now, know that when you ask a question, you don't always get the answer that you're looking for. Okay? You know, just know that. Uh, if you ask Jesus a question, he's going to tell you something, and it's going to really be something that's going to help you, but it won't be necessarily, okay, this is how you increase your faith. Disciples, see, he didn't say that. This is what he said. If you had faith like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of the seeds back then, you would say to this mulberry tree, that mulberry tree had deep roots, I mean strong, deep roots. So they knew that. And they knew that you're not going to move a mulberry tree. You're not going to move it, especially with no mustard seed faith. And say, be uprooted and be planted in a sea, and it would obey you. And that's strong. They ask him to increase the faith. Now, they don't hear the answer. Even though he's given the answer, they don't hear the answer. Because he's given them uh, some illustration, but the, the answer is found in the illustration. 
But which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he comes into the field, come immediately and sit down to eat? And it goes on and, and, and tells, tells some more about illustrations. Now, let me ask you, did he answer him? Now, if he answered him, you have to dig through the, 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 the illustration to see what he, he says. Now, if you plant, let's say, um, like a kernel of corn. You know, those of you who used to farm, and you might still farm, you know, uh, if you plant corn. Then, do you get a stalk with one kernel of corn on it? You, know? you see, we can all laugh because we know that that's ridiculous. You know? You're going you're to get much, 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 much more than you ever thought you could get from that one little kernel. You know? So that's what he's saying here. You can increase it, but you're going to have to cause it to grow. You're going to have to be like that muscle seed. You're going to you're gonna have to get it in an environment. You're going to have to uh, water it. You're going to have to let the sun shine on it. You're going to have to uh, pull the weeds. You're going to have to cause this thing, this environment, to increase because the increase is in the seed itself. Do you know that? Yeah. Every seed going to bear after its kind. It's, it's going to be there, but you're going to have to create an environment. So what is he telling us if we not want our faith to increase? We're going to have to create an environment where this faith can increase. Let's look what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 17. And some of you know Romans 10, 9 and 10. Uh, we use those verses sometimes to lead somebody through the sinless prayer uh, to, to uh, receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But in verse 13, it says, For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call upon whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach unless they are sent? Just as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good tidings. However, they did not all heed the good tidings. For Isaiah says, Lord, who is to believe our report? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the, come on, come here, by the word of God. By the word of God. Now, uh, Elder John just finished telling us that uh, he has materials out there on the, on the table for us to reach out to people, because unless you reach out, they might not hear. If they don't hear, you know, how, how, can they have, how can they believe in Jesus Christ when they haven't heard about Jesus Christ? Uh, you know, you say, well, everybody in Lynchburg heard about Jesus Christ. You know, that's what you think, you know. And if they heard about him, what did they hear? You know, you know, you know people who've heard a lot of things about sub- subject matter. You know, if you, talk, if you have kids and you talk to kids and say, do you know how this, this happens? Do you know about the birds and the bees? Oh, yeah, I know about the birds and the bees. Who told you? Oh, John told me at school, you know. Well, see, you don't, want to, you don't want to depend upon what somebody tells you. And see, people told them a lot of things about Jesus Christ, and they told them things that's not right. You know? So you have to bring the good news, not the bad news. So if we want our faith to increase, we have to get in an atmosphere where that faith can increase. You know, you can't, you can't watch cartoons, play video games all the time, and expect faith going to come. You know? 
It's not coming. <laughs> it's not going to come. Not God kind of faith. It's not going to come. You know, you got you to hear, hear something about Jesus Christ. You got to hear the good news. And you're going to have to protect the good news. Part of weeding our prayer uh, patch uh, as a, one of the messages from a long time ago. You know, when you, when you plant something, you're going to have to weed that thing. And see, when, when you have, when you have a, a word about God, the enemy is going to try to come and he's going to try to take that word from you. And what you want to do is protect that word. If you don't protect that word, weeds will grow up and it will choke the word. And you're not going to have the faith that you want to have to do the things you want to do. So that's what God is trying to tell us about. Now we must talk about the goodness and the loving kindness. And the loving kindness is another word that King James would call it mercy. The New American Standard would call it loving kindness. You know? You need to tell people about the goodness and the mercy of God. You need to tell them about it. You can, you can read it to them. You can quote it to them. And we're talking about it in your household now. See, this is God's word, his call to fathers and families. So we're talking about in the household. Don't think that you're going to take something outside that household and going to be all this great uh, man of God and woman of God outside your household, and you're not even that inside your household. It doesn't work that way, okay? You're going to have to walk the talk. And the best place to walk the talk is in the four walls of your, your home when people don't hear you, they don't see you. That's when it's good to do. Because God sees you, God hears you. And that's where the angels hear you, that's when the demons hear you, and they don't like that kind of talk. They don't like faith talk in the household. They don't like it. Listen to the Exodus, chapter 33. Listen to what God says about himself. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, he was talking to Moses. And Moses didn't want to go anywhere without the presence of the Lord. He said, I'm not going anywhere. If, I can't, if your presence can't go with me, I'm not going. You know? I need your presence with my God. And so he tells him here. Then Moses said, I pray thee, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious unto whom I will be gracious. I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. You know, just taking that and encouraging your household that God is sovereign. Do you know that? He's sovereign. He can do what he wants to do with whom he wants to do it with. He doesn't need our permission. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have to do the same thing for everybody. He does what he wants to with whom he wants to do so, because he says so. So when somebody starts asking you a question, well, how, why, and, and all these questions, you have the answers because he's already given it to us in the word of God. But you've got to know the word of God. Exodus 34, 6 and 7, listen to what the Lord said about himself. Then he passed in, in, in front of him. And proclaimed, this is Moses, he put him in the cliff of rock and he passed before him. He said, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. What's another word for loving kindness? Mercy and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands. Now he's talking about thousands of generations now. Who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin. Now, that's what God is saying about himself. Now, I tell you, you know, uh, this is how to increase your faith. Know what God has said about himself. Whatever God says about himself, that he's going to uphold. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
He never lies. Never lies. So therefore, if he says that I will show mercy for thousands of generations, I will forgive iniquity, I'll forgive transgression, I'll forgive sin, then we need to take that back to him. You know? Now, God, you said in your word. And that's in Scripture also, where a man of God did that. And God said, okay, all right, I'll do what you said. But actually, he wasn't doing what the man of God said. He was doing what he had said that he would do. But you've got to quote what God says. You need to do that in a household. But now he says that, yet, by no means, leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Now, both of those in the same word of God here. So he's just telling you that, that look, I, I'm, I, want, I, want to, I want to show love and kindness and mercy to a thousand generations, but I'm asking you to trust me to do what I asked you to do. Because there are consequences if you don't do what I asked you to do. I'm going to still love you. I'm going to still be there for you. But I want you to not have to suffer the consequences. I want you to enjoy the blessings. That's what he's saying. So you need to hear those words, don't you? Because it helps you to have a more uh, reverence for the Lord. Because you understand how he is. We must teach the faithfulness of God in our households. You say, well, how do I teach the faithfulness of God? You know, there are, there are many ways to teach the faithfulness of God. You just take circumstances that, come, that, that happen in your household and you start teaching about it. You can teach about any situation. Here's a, a scripture in uh, Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. It says that while the earth remains, there is seed time and harvest. There is there's heat, 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 heat and cold. There is summer and day, summer and, and winter, and there is day and night. It shall not cease. That's what it says. Now, now, let me ask you. Can you start teaching the faithfulness of God just knowing that scripture? There's a lady across the street from us. She has a, a, a little small garden, about six by three or something like that. She has some tomatoes in it. And you can take your child, say you came to visit, visit me, you know, and you're walking down the street taking a walk, you know, and you can tell the child, hey, look, 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 look there. Do you see that? That is... Uh, that, that start off with just as a little tomato plant. That's all it started off with. Look at all those tomatoes and everything. Look at all the old ripe tomatoes. Oh, they are so sweet tomatoes. That is because God says there's seed time and there's harvest. And it shall not cease. And, and you know, you, you, you know how, about, how about in your household you say, man, it's hot. Boy, today, man, it's going to be another scorch. It's going to be another 100 degree days, you know. Oh, sweetheart, don't worry about that because God has said in his word, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be uh, heat and it's going to be cold. You know, enjoy the heat because after a while, it's going to get cold. It might be 20 below zero, you know. You, you can start teaching the word of God, can't you? Just with situations. But you have to capture those situations. You have to be mindful of those situations and looking for any opportunity to teach about the faithfulness of God. Now in Genesis 9, we know about that situation, don't we? In, in Genesis 9, uh, starting in verse 8, it was telling us about uh, Noah. After they came out of the ark and everything, 
He said, I'm going to establish my covenant with you and uh, with all flesh and all the animals. I'm, I'm, you know, you're going to have a covenant. And then in verse 12, said, and God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I'm, I'm making between me and you and every living creature who's with you for all successive generations. I will set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Now, is that a marvelous opportunity to teach the faithfulness of God? You know, that rainbow is going to show up. It's going to show up at some point or not, another during the summer. How many of you have seen one so far this summer? Now, have you, have you used that as a teaching moment, you know? Oh, come here, come out. Hey, children, come out. Come out. Look, that's the rainbow. How did they get there, Dad? How did they get there, Mama? You know, don't tell them, well, they just threw it up in the air, some paint up in the air, and just came out a rainbow. Don't tell them these crazy stuff, you know? You know, tell them, the <laughs> tell them the truth, you know. Tell them the truth. Tell them that God made a covenant with Noah and all living creatures and, and, and said that, that as long as the earth remains, that he's not going to destroy the earth anymore by flood, by water. He's not going to do it again. And so as a sign for his covenant, he put this rainbow up there. And so anytime it rains, sweetheart, you can be watching and looking and see where you see that sign. That God has set that. How did God do that? Oh, God is sovereign. He's awesome. He, he created the earth. He created, he set us on his foundation, uh, the moon and the stars. He, he knows them all by name. Come on. Teaching. Teaching. The faithfulness of God. Is God faithful or not? We must teach God's plan for man. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 29. See, God wants us to know that he is so faithful. He is good. And he has a plan for your life. See, everybody, don't, they don't know that God has a plan for their life. Some people think that, oh, well, you know, uh, I grew up on the wrong side of tracks. You know, why well, I made this mistake and that mistake, you know. Surely he doesn't love me anymore because, matter of fact, this is what I believe in my mind because my mind's always telling me that, oh, you know, you've done it now. You can forget it. You know, you can hang it up. You've ruined your life. Well, let me tell you something. God is a God that can make, you know, <laughs> he can make wine out of water. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, he can turn the bad into good. But you got to be looking for it. Don't accept the lies that the enemy teach you and tell you and put in your mind about, well, you know, uh, he doesn't love you. He doesn't have a plan for you. And he has a plan for Sister Sue over there because Sister Sue, uh, she has a nice family. You know, they grew up and they, they were Christians all the time, you know. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, he has a plan for your life. If you were conceived, he has a plan for your life. Okay? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. Now this is what he said. Now this was, this was said, of course, in the context of that. Uh, he, they had gone into captivity. And then he was bringing them out of captivity. And he was, he was telling them this information through Jeremiah. You see, you see well, you know, well, you know, David suffered consequences, you know, for his sin, you know. Yes, he did, uh, but let me tell you, God's plan for David was fulfilled in spite of his mistakes. It was fulfilled. David was a man after God's own heart, and he, he showed mercy on so many generations of kings on the throne because of David. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ is from the lineage of David, okay? So don't tell me about 
you know, he doesn't have a plan for your life. And that plan uh, can be messed up and you'll never, you'll never see God's plan again. No, don't tell me that. Because my word tells me something different. I, that's why I love the word, you know. And I don't like to hear people just talk, you know. Just give me the word. Just give me the word. When we are dis- disobedient to God, know that we can delay. We can delay his good plan. Okay? You know that, right? Okay. We know David's, the good plan for David, we know it was delayed, delayed, delayed a little bit, wasn't it? Because of the consequence of his sin. It was delayed a little bit. But that's okay. It still came to pass later on. Okay? So, if something has happened and you have, you, you're in the consequences of what's happened, ride it out. Be joyful. Don't worry. Things are going to turn out okay anyway. Because God loves you. Okay, he loves you. Have you ever lost anything before? Misplaced anything before? How many of you went around, you know, you said, man, if I could find that thing, man, I don't know where that thing is. It'll show up when, I, when, I, when I'm, I'm not even looking for it, it'll probably show up, you know. You know? Uh, the best thing to do whenever you misplace something, whenever you lose something, is automatically say, ha ha, God knows where it is. Let me pray. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, show me where this is. You know? Do you believe he'll show it to you? Yeah, he'll show it to you. He'll show it to you. He, he cares about everything that you care about. So that, therefore, you know, don't think that God, we serve a God that's far off in the heavens somewhere that we have to, you know, oh God, you know, where are you? Will you peep up from heaven through the clouds and shine your face on me? He's right here. As near, even in our lips, in our mouth. He's, he, he's here. You know? He's here. How many of you sometimes worry about things? I'm the only one. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed because I told the truth. How many of you have ever been worried about something? Okay. Now we'll get some truth out of here. Okay. All right. Now, if you've been worried, and, and we know that it's against the word of God, don't we? We know it's sin, don't we? Okay. It's sin. Worry is sin. Why is it sin? It's a lack of trusting in God. That's right. Because God has already told you what to do with it. What did he tell you what to do with it? Where's it found? Huh? He told, it's found in Philippians what? Okay, Philippians 4. Okay? It's found there. And he tells us, tell us, be careful nothing, 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 but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests be known to him. He says, in the peace of God which passes all understanding, we keep our hearts and minds through who? Christ Jesus, right? Then he tells us what to think on, doesn't he? Because, see, if he didn't tell us what to think on, we would say, okay, God, I give it to you. This situation looks bad. This looks bad, God. This is bad. But I'm going to give it to you, you know? And then our minds start thinking about how bad it is, you know? You see? But he says, no, I want you to think on those things that are what? True. Okay, true. Okay, those things that are what? Honest, honorable, you know? Those things that are what? Pure. It may just, you know, if it, those things that are lovely, if they're having the praise, having the virtue, think on those things. Didn't he say that? He's telling us what to think on. See, he's telling us all the time, hey, I don't want you to suffer the consequences of sin. All you had to do is just start quoting my word. So in your household, high school students, elementary school students, college students, you know, and we say, they say, well, you know, I don't know about this exam. 
I don't know what I'm going to do with this thing. Hey, so don't worry about a thing. Cast your care upon him because he cares for you. That's another scripture. Well, it's a lot of stuff I didn't understand, sweetheart. Let me tell you. There were some uh, men of God, and uh, they didn't know a lot of things either, but they, they were determined they're going to follow God, and God gave them wisdom. Gave them more wisdom than the people who were, who were studying and doing all those other, other things. Yeah? I tell you, God is good, isn't he? See, I'm trying to help us today to understand how good God is because that's the only way you're going to have trust in him. Okay? It is. You've got to know how good he is. Let's look in uh, the Gospel of John. Let's look at verse 14. And it's one verse there, verse 27. It tells us something here that helps you. And I pray this over the sanctuary, in, in the sanctuary, because... I pray before you come, that's when you come, you receive what I've already prayed. Okay? It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, let, nor let it be fearful. Peace. Not that the world gives, he gives. So it's a God, you know... Uh, when people come into the sanctuary, Father, let them sense the peace in the sanctuary. Yeah, this is your place, God. The Spirit of God dwells here. So I know there's going to be peace here because that, that is a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? So we want, and, and also, you're supposed to be bringing peace in the sanctuary because if you're, not, if you're not God's, you won't have peace. But if you are born again, you have peace in you because you have the Spirit of God in you, Right? So therefore, you're supposed to be bringing peace in here. I pray peace in here. We have agreement about peace being in here. And therefore, it should be peace. I don't care what was on you out there in the parking lot, you know. I don't care what tried to attack you for a word about all these type of things that's coming up. When you step in here, you say, oh, it's the peace of God. That's what it's supposed to be in your household. Peace. That's what you want in your household. Peace. Not turmoil, you know, not confusion. You want peace in your household. Now, Tell your children, tell each other in that household the great stories about faith, the great things that God has done through the years to people. Now, if we look in, verse, um, in, in chapter 17 of, of, of 1 Samuel, you know, we can tell them about a lot of different things, you know. You can, have you ever listened to the um, uh, CD or, or Bible and it's dramatized? Okay, now, now you can do that at home. You can say, oh, can you picture Moses? He's standing by the Red Sea, you know, and all oh, the water. And it, it was a time of year when, it, when, it, when it, oh, it was, it was, it was, the water was high, you know. And Moses, he, he was falling on his face before God. He was worried about this, this situation because here come Pharaoh and all his army back here. And they didn't have anywhere to go. Nobody, oh, what did he do? He just stretched forth his Staff, what God had given him. What has God given you? He's given you the word of God. He's given you the spirit of God, right? He's given you the brothers and sisters of the Lord, you know? You can stress forth what you have, you know? What you have. Speak the word. Just speak the word, you know? A centurion had that kind of thing. Oh, this centurion, you know, Oh, he had the person sick in the house, and, and Jesus was going to go sit. And he said, oh, don't you go to my house. I'm not worthy to go to your house, but just speak the word only. 
You know, tell them about the great things of faith. It should be in First Samuel now. And in First Samuel, chapter 17, verse starting from 41, I mean, you know the story, but I like to read it anyway, you know, some of it anyway. Now, you know, this is an account of who? Oh, the great young warrior, who's not a warrior right now. He's just a, a young fellow tending the sheep, you know. And, and uh, here he is uh, coming to, you know, get a report from his father about his brothers and everything, what's going on in the war. And uh, here is this big Philistine warrior. There's been a warrior since birth. I mean, this dude is big. He's like life. This dude is big, you know. And here's this little teeny winning fellow. And, and here he says that, look, he says that, uh, let me at him. Let me at him. And Saul said, well, you know, you can't do that. Let me at him. Okay, get my armor, put it on. Hey, I can't wear that armor. It, it just doesn't fit right, you know. Uh, I'm, too, I'm too little anyway. Just give me what I'm, I'm used to. And I just got, got my staff. I just got my sling. I get a couple stones on the way, you know. And I'll take care of that, that Philistine. I, I'll take care of him for y'all. Y'all just rest down. So just so hush the peace of the Lord, you know. Let, let, let me take care of this thing. So, uh, y'all don't like my dramatization, do you? Okay, that's all right. <laughs> then this Philistine came on and approached David and the shield barrier in front of him. And here this man, he got a shield barrier. He, he, he's so bad, he don't, he don't even carry his own shield. He got somebody to carry his shield. When this Philistine looked and saw David, he was disdaining him. He said, but you, you're just a youth, just a, just a little handsome fellow. In appearance, you haven't even looked like you worked the day of your life. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come with me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. So the Philistines are using what he knew to use, right? You know, because, you know, they serve many gods, you know. So here he got the, he's cursing David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and, your, and the beasts of the field. In other words, I'm going to leave you out here dead and let the birds eat your flesh. That's kind of scary, isn't it? You know? He was big now. I'm not talking about no, no you know, four foot, you know, 90 pounds something. We're talking about this dude big. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Where did he get that from? Where did he get calling on the, on the name of the Lord of hosts? He trusts God, doesn't he? He trusts God. He said, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you, are, you have taunted. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you, and I will give your dead, the dead bodies of the armies of the Philistines this day, to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts. In other words, I'm just not going to give your body. I'm going to <laughs> I'm gonna get a body of the army of the Philistines this day. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I mean, that's strong talk, man. That's covenant talk, you know. And, and, all, and that, that all the assembly, that I, I want them to know that the Lord does not deliver by sword. He doesn't deliver by spear. He said, for the battle is the Lord. And he, he will give you into our hands. So he's not trying to take credit like he's a big something, you know. He said, to our hands, because he's representing the army there. Then it happened that when the Philistine rose and came to draw near to David, 
that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand into his bag, took the stone out of it. He slung it and it struck the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a, sl- with a sling and a stone. And he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. So he said, I got to cut his head off. So I don't have a sword. I can't hit him with a stick and cut it off. I know what I'll do. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine. And you can imagine him standing over the Philistine. He probably stood on his chest, you know, so that everybody could see him on the hill, you know. And he said, and he drew the Philistine's sword out. Now, this is a big sword now, big, big sword. And he cut his head off. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now, can you imagine that? Oh, is it, can, you, can you imagine that in your financial situation, can you imagine in your health? Can you imagine in your marriage? Can you imagine with your children that you are recounting and you start putting things uh, in, you know, switching things? Oh, you know, uh, finances, I know what you're trying to do. Oh, debt, you're trying to come at me, but you're not going to get me because I'm in covenant with Almighty God. You're coming at me and you're going to try to bankrupt me, but you're not going to bankrupt me because I belong to the King of Kings, the Lord of oh Lords. My, my father owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, all the gold hills, all the silver hills. You're not going to get my finances. you got to talk that talk, you know. Oh, praise God. God is good. We're going to have to have trust in our households. That's how we had to do this thing. Without faith, it says it's impossible to please God. Listen to what Jesus said in, in John eight twenty nine, And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So, did you think Jesus had faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So, obviously, he had to have faith. Jesus had faith. <laughs> he had faith. They come to Jesus and say, oh, I'm going to take you. I'm going to throw you over the hill. Throw me. Come on. Throw me. You know? And he didn't get mad and fight anything. All he did is say, okay, you know, now we're to the hill. Now we're to the cliff. I think I'll go. You know? And he just, he just leave. And they're wondering, where did he go? You know, I thought he was right here. Jesus, Jesus he's not afraid of anything, is he? Would you be afraid if... Uh, God says, okay, <laughs> we're going to have a uh, picnic today. After church today, we're going to have a picnic. There's nothing here, nothing here but one slice of bread. That's all. That's all we have, one slice of bread. You know? Oh, we do have one hot dog in, in, in the left over from, from, uh, you know, from our grand open. We've got one hot dog. You know? I want you to feed them. I want you to feed everybody in this neighborhood. How many of you say, hey, let me do it. Let me do it. <laughs> How many of you raise your hand for that, you know? Yeah. Well, we know that Jesus did that, didn't he? Yeah, he has faith in God. Whatever God tells him to do, he does it. You know? And he, he, see, when God tells him to do it, God doesn't, doesn't show him, you know, the veto tape of it, you know, and then rewind and say, okay, now you do it. No. You've got to walk by faith. Your finances will be okay if you believe in him who owns the finances, who own you. See, a slave doesn't own anything anyway. So why should you be worried about your finances? They're not yours, you know. Unless you've unless sinned with your finances. 
then you know there are some consequences, but that's okay. We know that the end result is that, oh, his plan for me is a good plan. I'll ride these circumstances out, then I'm going at it, you know. I won't make that mistake again. Okay? Let's stand.